You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We see in this passage, and uh, God gave me this message, I guess it was probably about 12 days ago. I was preparing for last Sunday, and we're talking about joy in singing. And remember, we looked at this passage in the message about how David played the harp and the evil spirit departed. But as I was reading 12 days ago, whatever it was, I got to verse 18, and I thought, this is such a powerful verse. Because it lists, in verse 18, the Bible lists six characteristics of David. Now, this portion of Scripture, this was before David ever fought Goliath. He'll do that in the next chapter. This was before David was the king of Israel. This was before David wrote much of the Psalms that we enjoy. This was before David became the general, and this was before David became the mighty, renowned soldier. But we see in verse number 18, we see six characteristics of David. Now, it's interesting that Saul, his servants came to him one day and they said to Saul, they said, Saul, you have issues. You have anger issues. You got problems and we got to do something to fix those issues. And they said, we want to get a a, a man who can come and play the harp so that when he plays the harp, the evil spirit will depart from you. It's amazing. Saul agreed. He said, that's a good idea. So they went to look for somebody who was cunning. And that word cunning in this passage, it means skillful. It means accomplished. They went to find somebody that could play the harp. But they found much more than just a harp player. Verse number 18, they found David who had six qualities, six characteristics that were important in his life. Now, it's interesting to me. Stay with me. It's interesting to me in the first part of chapter 16, there was another search. This search was not for a harpist. This search was from God sending Samuel, and he said, I want you to go find the next king of Israel. And remember that story. Uh, Jesse called out his boys, and he lined them up before Samuel. And Samuel looked at the first one and said, I bet this is the one, right? God said, nope, it's not him. He said, I bet it's this one. Nope, I bet it's this one. Nope, and finally, after seeing what he thought, were all of Jesse's sons. Samuel, the the prophet, said, do you have anybody else? (laughs) And poor David. Don't you know David got picked on anyway because he was the youngest? Don't you feel bad for the youngest? I'm glad you do because I don't. You know, being the oldest, I don't feel bad for the youngest. They're spoiled rotten. But anyway, don't you know David got picked on and they said, hey, David, you want to know how important you are in this family? Your own father forgot to call you to the meeting. Your own father didn't think you were going to be the king. And in this story, it didn't work out well for the oldest because the younger one showed him up. But anyway, they brought David in and God told Samuel, he said, hey, don't be fooled because man looks on the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. And God chose a king, the next king for Israel in David. We see that Saul's servants went out to find a a musician who could play. And in verse number 18, we find some characteristics. And I'd like to preach to you this morning for a few minutes on the soldier 
that God can use. Now, I'm talking about a Christian soldier. I'm talking about a soldier in the army of the Lord. David is perhaps the greatest soldier recorded in scriptures. You say, well, what about Samson? I understand Samson was a mighty man. What about Gideon and his 300 men that defeated the Midianites? But you got to admit, David was an incredible soldier. David defeated Goliath, and they sang about David in the streets. They sang, Saul hath slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. I mean, they actually had songs about David's mighty deeds and his mighty accomplishments. There was a group of elite forces in Israel. They were the, uh, they were the um, what's that branch that's elite? I forget that branch. I was wondering if anybody could help me with that. Oh, yeah, that's right. There was an elite group of soldiers there in Israel. And you know what they called them? They called them David's mighty men. They were trained by David. They were chosen by David. They were selected by David. These mighty men, they followed after King David. David knew how to use a sling. He knew how to use a sword. He knew how to use a spear. He was trained in various weapons. He was a great soldier. He was a man that God would choose not only to defeat Goliath, but God would choose him to be the general of the army. God would choose him to be the king of Israel. God would choose him to be a spiritual leader. This passage of scripture, I believe, gives us some insight into what is necessary for a person to be used by God. I want you to notice quickly, number one, I see that David was skillful. It says in verse number 18, he was cunning in playing. David's music was used to worship God. And David's music was the best. David did not give God a half-hearted effort. David did not give God his leftovers. David gave God the very best that he had. Now, friend, I believe in our lives, I believe we ought to give God the best we have. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. We expect the best, and we should. If you're going in for a surgery, you don't Google worst doctor in the area. Doctor with most uh, uh, malpractice uh, cases ongoing. You don't look for that. If you're looking for an electrician, you don't say, I'd like to find the electrician who has burned down the most houses. That's the guy I'd love for my new house. If you're looking for a mechanic, you don't look for the one who's going to uh, uh, mess up your car and make it worse. If you're looking for a, uh, a CPA, you say, I'd like, to find, I'd like to find an accountant who doesn't even know how to add. I'd like to find somebody that cuts corners. I'd like to find somebody who, 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 who makes a lot of mistakes. That's the guy I want. Or that's the lady I'll... No, you don't do that. You send your children to school. You say, I hope. I hope my children get the worst teacher on the planet. That's what... My, no, you, you want the best, and, and so you should. Can I tell you, we want the best, and we expect the best. But can I tell you, we also ought to do our very best for the Lord. We ought to give our best to God. It takes time to be skillful. It takes effort. It takes uh, uh, care and concern. It takes practice. They tell us that the average Olympian 
spends five to seven hours every day preparing for their Olympic event. They said, if you're going to the Olympics, you might as well just consider that your full-time job. Depending on the sport, it could be more, it could be a little less, but five to seven hours every single day of training for one Olympic event. It's amazing to me that if you win the Olympics, which very few do get a gold medal, but if you do, there you go, there's your gold medal. If you do, there's your silver medal, there's your bronze, and wonderful. I did not know this, I, I looked it up this week, I did not know it in the United States. If you win a gold medal, you actually get paid for that gold medal. How many of you knew that you got paid to win a gold medal? Only a couple, I, I, I was shocked, I didn't know that all these years. Thank you all for not telling me, I, I, I've been ignorant my whole life. But for a gold medal, you could, if you get a gold medal, you could receive for a gold medal $37,000 for winning a gold medal. If you get a, a, a silver medal, $22,000, you could get that for a silver or $15,000 for a bronze. But you know, that sounds like a lot of money. But it, what if you spend years, and which most Olympians do, what if, let's just say, you, you really were very fast at learning and picking up the sport and you exceeded and you did so well. And what if it only took you three years of your life? By the way, for many people, it's five and 10 and 15 years of training and working for that gold medal. Can I tell you, $37,000, that's not a lot of money if it's taking you four years of your life to get it. But can I tell you, when we give our best to the Lord, we're not talking about a gold medal. We're not talking about $37,000. We're not talking about your name uh, on the news or your name in the paper. But we're talking about standing before the judgment seat of Christ someday and hearing, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Friend, I want to tell you, it's worth it to give God your best. It's worth it to give God your all. A missionary years ago, I heard him say this with my own ears, and I've never forgotten it. He said, my greatest fear in life is not failure. He said, my greatest fear in life is that I would succeed at something that does not matter to God. He said, I don't want to live my whole life and be a success at something that does not matter for eternity. We ought to give our best to the Lord. I think you ought to give your best as a husband. Men, I think you ought to give your best as a husband. Ladies, I think you ought to give your best as a wife. I think you ought to give your best as a parent. If God's allowed you to be a grandparent, I think you ought to be the best grandparent there is. You ought to be the best teenager that you can be. You ought to be the best child you can be for the glory of God. Give your best uh, at home. Give your best at work. Well, I tell you, it's amazing. It always blows my mind when I read about these scam artists that are out there. Can I tell you one thing about them? They're good. And you think if they would spend that much time and that much effort getting a job and making an honest living, they would be, I mean, they'd probably be the next Steve Jobs. You know, they'd be the next Bill Gates. I mean, they're good at it. We've gotten good at scamming and we've gotten good at stealing and we've gotten good at being lazy and we've gotten good at getting handouts in our society. But may God help us as Christians to get back to work and whatever we do to give it our best for the glory of God. I think you ought to be the best at school. 
I think for those of you who are in school, I think you ought to give it your best. I think you ought to give it your best on the ball field. I think you ought to give it the best on the running track. I think you ought to give it your best in everything you do. When you come to Sunday school, come to Sunday school and give it your best. You say, I'm not the teacher. Then be the best listener. Be the best greeter. Be the most faithful person in that class. Give it your best on your bus route. Give it your best in the choir. Give it your best in the nursery. Give it your best as a greeter. Give it your best as a Christian. Give it your best as a witness. Do you get the idea? I believe we ought to give God our best. He deserves it. Good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good is your better and your better is your best. Number one, David was skillful. That was a characteristic that God was looking for. Number two, I see in this passage, David was strong. The Bible says he was a mighty, valiant man. That word mighty, it means powerful, strong. He was a champion. Now, we know that David's mighty men, they were named after him. They were called mighty because David here was a mighty, valiant man. David was a champion that would take on a champion called Goliath and he would defeat him. But David was strong. We have in our, in our, our churches and we have in our society today, we have so many Christians who are not strong, but who are soft. We've raised a generation of people that are so sensitive. We've raised a generation of people who spiritually are weak and anemic. Can I tell you, that's not the kind of people we want out on the battlefield. Aren't you glad that our soldiers that we send onto the battlefield, aren't you glad that they're strong, and aren't you glad that they're equipped, and aren't you glad that they are able to win the battles that they face? I've never been involved. Some of you have been involved in boxing. Maybe some of you have been involved in martial arts, or I don't know of anybody in here that's done UFC fighting. But let me tell you something. You watch a little bit of that stuff and that'll help make you realize those guys are no wimps. You don't get in a boxing match, you know, just sitting on the couch eating potato chips and flipping the remote. You know, that's not how you get in there. But what if, what if you were training for a match like that? What if you knew that, okay, today is November 10th and you knew um, February the 10th you were going to be in a boxing match? And I tell you, there'd be some things you do to prepare for that event. Can I tell you one thing you'd have to change? Not all of you, but some of you would have to change. I'd have to change. You'd have to change your diet because drinking soda and eating potato chips and eating hamburgers and french fries and donuts and all that, that's not going to help you prepare for a boxing match. That's not the diet that's going to make you strong. What about this? You have to get some exercise. You'd have to get some cardio. You'd have to get some weightlifting. You'd have to get some strength training. You'd have to do that or you would not be strong. You'd have to get some rest. You couldn't work out and you couldn't exercise 24-7. Your body would need rest to, uh, to get stronger and to prepare and to be ready for that event. Can I tell you in the Christian life, we need to change our diet, many of us, because our diet is a lot of TV and our diet is a lot of radio, and our diet is a lot of filth, and it's time that we get the good diet. We get the Word of God in us. Amen. That's why we need preaching, and that's why we need Bible study, and that's why we need Sunday school, and that's why we need prayer meeting, because your diet, what you put in, is going to determine how strong you are in the battle. We need some exercise. We need some Christians that will serve and get busy and do, and do something for the King of Kings. We need to get some rest. You say, Pastor, 
I'm so glad you got to that. That's actually the reason I come to church every Sunday. I always need a good nap. It's not the kind of rest I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you rest and you trust in the Lord. You know how you get strong? You get strong when you've done everything you know how to do. And you've prayed and you've read your Bible and you've served God to the best of your ability. And then you say, Lord, it's in your hands. I'm going to rest in you. I'm going to trust in you. And I'm going to depend on you. And that's how we get strong for the battle that we face. Number three, not only skillful, not only strong, but we must be seasoned. It says in verse number 18 that he, David was a mighty, valiant man and a man of war. He was equipped and ready for warfare. He was a warrior. The songwriter wrote, Onward, Christian soldiers marching as to war. Friend, we're in a battle. We are in a spiritual battle. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Friend, I wish that I could wake you up and I wish that I could open your eyes today to show you that we are in a spiritual battle. The battle is not with your, your spouse. The battle is not with your kids. The battle is not with another church member or coworker. The battle is against Satan himself and he's out to destroy, and he's out to devour. And we need some Christians that are not afraid to fight the battle. We need some Christians that are willing to face the enemy in the power of God. In order to be a man of war, you must go through battles. Many Christians run when the battles come. Many Christians uh, make excuses, and many Christians quit. But we need Christians that will fight the battles during the war for independence. There was a lack of morale on the side of the colonists and on those fighting for the independence. And there was a writer by the name of Thomas Paine, and he began to write, and he began to challenge and motivate uh, those, those soldiers and those volunteers. And he said this, These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from the service of his country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Friend, we don't need more summer soldiers. We don't need more sunshine patriots. Anybody can praise God when things are going good. I mean, that, that doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out. Anybody can rejoice in the Lord when you're on the mountaintop. Anybody can rejoice in the Lord when there's peace all around you and everything's fine. But what happens when the battle comes? When the battle comes, that's when we must stand up and we must fight for our family and fight for the Lord and fight for souls and fight against the forces of wickedness in this world. Number one, we must be skillful. Give it your best. Number two, strong. Three, season. Number four, we must be sharp. Notice the word in verse number 18. It's not sharp, but the word in verse 18, it says that David was prudent in matters. That word prudent, it means he was discerning. He was perceptive. He was understanding. You know, as Christians, if we're not careful, we will be so oblivious to everything going on around us because we're only worried about ourselves. That wasn't David. David was aware of what was going on. He was prudent. He was discerning. 
uh, the Bible tells us that we are to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Jesus himself increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. We need those who will be sharp. We need those who will get wisdom from God through the Bible and get wisdom from God through prayer. We need soldiers that will be prepared for the battle because they've been instructed and they've been trained. Number five, it's found in verse 18 also. The word I'll give you is the word suitable. It says in verse 18 that David was a comely person. That word comely, it means proper. It means suitable. It means to be balanced. It also has the idea to be good looking. Some of us might have to settle for five out of six on this list of those characteristics. Thank you for not uh, saying amen about me making that statement. I appreciate that. You know, not all of us, not all of us, Brother Tony, not all of us can have a good hair day. You know what I mean? Kind of makes you mad for those that can you know, but uh, God never covers his best furniture. I know that, that's for sure. <laughs> but suitable, you say, well, what in the world are you talking about suitable? What, what's that all about? I'm talking about a Christian that is balanced. Now, please do not, do not elbow your spouse on this comment, please. If you're sitting next to a child, please don't hit him on the back of the head and say he's talking about you. But we have in Christianity... We have enough weirdos. We don't need any more. We've got enough strange ducks. And you say, well, that's just the way I am. Well, that may be the way you are, but we don't need to intensify that anymore. Let's kind of get towards, you know, some balance and let's get towards being normal. You see, if you're a Christian in 2019, you're going to stand out as it is just by being a Christian. You don't have to be a nutcase, as my girls, they get it mixed up, and they say, you're a case nut. You know, you don't have to be that. You don't have to be weird. You can be a balanced Christian with a good testimony. The Bible says we're to let our light so shine before men. You say, well, pastor, God doesn't, God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He sees the heart. You're absolutely right. But can I tell you, there are people around us, they don't see the heart but they just see what's on the outside. I'll read a verse for you, 2 Corinthians 3. You can look at it later if you want to. This is powerful. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and he said to those Christians, he said, ye are our epistle, written in our heart. An epistle, that was the letter. Paul said, you are our letter that is written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Now hang on. No pressure. But Paul said, to that church at Corinth. And I say to Victory Baptist Church, you are the only Bible that some people will ever read. They just know that you're a Christian because you talk about the Lord and you pray before your meals and you've invited them to church and you've shared the gospel with them and they don't know anything about Victory Baptist Church. They don't know anything about the Bible. They don't know anything about Christianity. All they know is what they see in you. And what they see in me. And friend, may God help us to be a good and a proper and a balanced light that people could see Jesus in us. David was suitable. He was a comely person. He was balanced. And then lastly, and I'm done, number six, it says, And the Lord 
is with him. If you have not heard anything I've said this whole message, and you just got this, you'd be okay. Because those other five, those are so important. We need people that'll be skillful and we need people that'll be strong and we need people seasoned and we need people that'll be sharp and suitable. But can I tell you what God's looking for? He's looking for somebody that is spiritual. He's looking for somebody that says, I want to know God. He's looking for somebody that'll take this book seriously. God's looking for somebody that'll get serious about prayer and serious about walking with God and serious about spending time with God and serious about the Christian life, not just being on the outside, but the Christian life being real and genuine from the inside out. Now, this is a servant of Saul who said, David is the guy you want. Boy, he's got all these characteristics. He's got all these qualities. But let me tell you something, Saul. We can see that the Lord is with him. Oh, may that be said of us this week. May people see it on our faces. May people hear it in our voice. May they hear it in our words. May they see it in our lives. But may people say that, boy, there's something different about that person. They've got God in their life. They've got Christ all over them. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. They are more concerned with pleasing God than they are with pleasing self. David was spiritual. God is looking for soldiers that'll be spiritual. God is looking for Christians that will be willing to fight the battle, not in their own strength, because we know that in our flesh, we can do nothing. But God's looking for some soldiers that will rely on him completely. God's looking for people that will be spirit-filled. God's looking for people that will be surrendered to him. Friend, I hope that that could be said of you, and I hope that could be said of me this week, there's a spiritual person. Maybe for some in this room, maybe it's time we get back and get in this book and treat this book like it's important again. Maybe we read this book and we let this book change us. Maybe we get back to that place of prayer. Maybe it was in a prayer closet or a, uh, maybe it was in your car on the way to work or maybe a break room during your lunch hour or maybe it was out in the field somewhere. But may God help us to get back to our time that we spend with God. I'm afraid so many times we check boxes. I did this and I went here and I did this and I covered this and we try to get the outside looking so good. And again, I'm not against that. I think you ought to be a good testimony. And I think your life ought to be a witness. But we got to get it on the inside. We must be spiritual. You see, that's what God was looking for. That was the man that God chose. He said to Samuel, he said, this is the one. He said, this is the man. He said, anoint him. He will be the king. God's looking for some soldiers. And God's looking for some men and some women that he can use. May God help us to be the person that he can use. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve him this week.